Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways. Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good evening, race fans, and welcome into another edition of Horsepower Happening. So glad to have you along after a big weekend of racing. We've got two great guests lined up. First, let's take a look at what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Martin Truex Jr. captures the postponed NASCAR Cup Series race today at New Hampshire Speedway. This is, I believe, the second time that Truex has gone to victory lane this season on a Monday. So Truex uh, Martin becoming the Monday master. How about this week at Eldora Speedway? I'm gonna give you a warning. The rest of the Motor City Minute is all about Eldora Speedway because they raced a lot this week. First up, it was Wednesday's uh, Eldora Million, and Logan Schuhart went from being on fire to being a millionaire Wednesday uh, after coming from behind uh, in the performance last week at Eldora Speedway. He picked up the Eldora Million. Then, later on in the week, it was the night before the King's Royal, and how about Carson Macedo going to victory lane with the NOS Energy Drink World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series? And then, of course, the big dance, 40 laps for the... NOS Energy Drink World of Outlaw Sprint Car Series, and it is the King's Royal, the big one at Eldora Speedway. Donnie Schatz, when's the last time you heard that name uh, in sprint car competition? Donnie Schatz gets the win uh, and uh, gets it over Brent Marks, David Gravel, Sheldon Hodgenshield in fourth, and Kyle Larson rounding out the top five. And that's what's happening. Uh, those things and so much more in the Motor City Minute. Good evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. Good Monday evening, sir. You made it back from Anderson okay. Sure did, and I thought Donnie Schatz was going late model racing instead of getting out, <laughs> out of sprint cars, and now he looks like he's just as good as he ever was. I'm telling you what, and, and two, right, you've been kind of quiet over the last little while. When I kind of read that Donnie Schatz went to Victor Lane, I said, whoa, man, I haven't heard about Donnie Schatz in, in, a, in a minute. Well, Zach, you know, the, what is funny, um, there's a guy that picked up a win that people haven't heard from in a minute this weekend here in our state, the Quad Crown Series event number two at Owasso Speedway, $10,000 to win uh, on Saturday night. And it looked like most of the 100 lap event was one for Dan Leak to lose. Uh, Leak would drive out to a sizable lead, navigating through multiple cautions in the first 50 laps. Leak would continue his dominance through the second half of the event, but working through lap traffic, Leak's number five machine would go uh, interns one and two while working underneath the lap car and go around 
caution flag come out. Now, the problem was Leak's car would not refire, and they had to push him back to the pit area. They were going to give him his spot back if he could have just drove away, and they were going to put it on the rules at Owasso Speedway, say they are going to put it on the caution, on the lap car. That did not happen. Leak had to go back to the pit area to get that thing refired. Uh, on the restart, it was Harold Fair Jr. picking up the race lead, and uh, he would have to hold off a feisty Phil Bozell over the final 25 or so laps. Andy Bozell, Steve Needles, and Buddy Gray would complete the top five. Harold Fair Jr.'s first big win in an outlaw late model in quite a while, it seems, Zach. You and I were talking about that at dinner when you and I first started working together. You really made a big deal about Harold Fair, Harold Fair Jr., and he's got a great resume um, for you to make that big deal. But, Rich, in that time, I hadn't really seen him do much. He had a couple of good good runs, but not necessarily setting the world on fire. I, I can't imagine how good it feels for him to get back to victory lane and that team as well. A good run at good run at Kalamazoo at the Clash, and now to back this up with, with a, a win at Owasso, um, really kind of rolling right now for Harold Fair. Yep, and he's not going to keep that roll going with him. He's hoping the, he's hoping the 71 machine continues its roll as uh, Max Fair will be entered in the 71 outlaw for uh, the Stanley Memorial 150 coming up this Saturday at Flat Rock. All right, very good. Good stuff, and uh, you can't you can't beat that either. That next generation moving up and uh, starting to take things over is, is of course, uh, A-OK as well. Where, where, were, where were we this weekend, Rich? We got a chance to work together again for the first time in uh, a couple of weeks. It was none other than the 57th Annual Greg Hubler Automotive Group Red Bud 400. Yeah, we sound practiced at that because we had to say it a lot over the weekend, and it was a good one. Listen, you look at the entry list, you look at the results, oh, Oh, man, you guys only had 18 cars run that show. That's a, that's a no-gooder. Rich, I'm telling you right now, we talked about this all weekend. 12 of those guys could have won that race out of those 18 that were. We had 20 entered. 18 were able to start the show after mechanical problems and one pull out late. Um, there were, I mean, seriously, there were 12 guys that could have could have won the Red Bud 400 by the time it was all said and done. And there were guys that didn't turn great qualifying laps, and they came through the field, a.k.a. Stephen Nassi. That surprised me. He, we, we watched him through practice, Zach, and qualifying, and he was never happy with that car all weekend long. Next time we look up at the scoreboard, he's in third. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, where did he come from? So the mix-ups all began after the qualifying session was over. The Go Fast Pole Award went to Cole Butcher in the number 28, fresh off of two podium finishes with the ASA Stars National Tour. And then the redraw came into effect, and Rich France had to hand him the number eight hat off the car. And so that sent the pole center to P8 to start the race. And I was talking with Corey, uh, the house announcer at Anderson, who was co-announcing for me uh, with me at the house, and I said, here's how the redraw works. The eighth-place qualifier could walk up there and draw the number one hat. That's just how it went. You know, the first-place qualifier could draw the number eight hat. We, we were talking about that, and, actually. And what happens? Cole Butcher, your fast qualifier, draws the eight. And your eighth qualifier, Bubba Pollard, draws the one. And I said, folks, you cannot script this stuff right here. Uh, did not plan that at all. But, Rich, by the time the green flag waved, it would not matter. Ty Majeski got around Bubba Pollard on the outside and went to work and led the first two stages pretty much without contest until the end of stage number two when ASA CRA Super Series points leader Gio Ruggiero started knock, knock, knocking on the back door. 
but finally calmed down to let the stage end. And Gio didn't come alone either. He brought Cole Butcher with him, Rich, after what I think is a tire strategy that none of us have seen before at the Redbud 400. I didn't know where that came from. I was looking for him. I was doing my pit road report on that first stop. And I'm going down there, and I want to get the top five. And Cole Butcher had made his way into the top five. And so I'm walking down, and I'm looking. I said, oh, I got four cars here. Where's the 28? And I can't find him on pit road. And I just happened to glance up, and he's behind the pace car. He never came down to take tires at the end of stage one. And I was like, he is going to have a boat anchor tied to him on this restart. And literally, rather, he didn't go back as quick as I thought he was going to go back. But, uh, but he went back to the tail. And what that told me is they were playing the gamble that they would have another caution before the end of stage two, near the end of stage two. And that's exactly what saved Cole Butcher. Absolutely. So uh, Cole Butcher ends up, you know, doing that gamble, that pit strategy that you talk about. Um, Gio Ruggiero had an opportunity to lead a couple of rotations at the Redbud 400. But once Butcher got back to him, see you later. Good night. Cole Butcher uh, set sail, lapped up through, I believe it was eighth or sixth or something like that. Uh, put a lot of guys a lap down and uh, went on to collect his first ASA CR, or excuse me, ASA Stars National Tour win um, of the season. Uh, I do believe it was his first ASA uh, CRA Super Series win as well. And uh, only the second ever Canadian, Rich, to win the Red Bud 400. So uh, pretty cool. And what was ironic, we can go back to what we were also talking about. We, we were doing the math, you know, when, and of course we're all great in math when we're having a Pepsi, right? Right. So we were doing the math, and I even asked Johnny Van Dorn this. I said, you know, you guys sometime during the race are going to be on tires that are 220 laps old, right? And he goes, yeah, absolutely, we will. And when a lot of the guys were on their left side tires that had 220 laps on them, Cole Butcher had 50 laps on his lefts and brand new rights. That was the difference at the end. Absolutely it was. So Cole Butcher gets the win and a, a, a second spot for Gio Ruggiero. That puts Wilson Motorsports 1-2 in the Red Bud 400. And Ty Majeski would slide back to third to round out his first career Red Bud 400 after a week that included winning the Slinger Nationals. And Dak, other winners on the weekend that got in uh – at the people that waited on the rain. Uh, Evan Schottko made it two in a row by taking the 75-lap super late model feature at Berlin on Saturday. Ryan Lanfeard picked up the UMP late model win on Saturday at Merritt Speedway uh, with Myron DeYoung taking the IMCA modified feature event. Jeff Gannis took home the late model sportsman 50-lap feature event Saturday at Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway. And Zach, on the phone lines right now, we have the gentleman who picked up the 35-lap modified feature win at Springport. He's having a very solid season, makes his home in Jackson, Michigan. Aaron Taylor, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys. Thank you for having me on. Appreciate it. Man, uh, how does it feel? It's like going home for you, I know, um, going back to Springport. But this year it's kind of different because you don't get to run every week like you want to. Right, yeah. They kind of limited their schedule and got the mods going every other week, and um, that's definitely helped us be there. Um, our plan was to run with the Modified Tour, the Midwest Mod Tour, and um, you know, it's been kind of just fortunate that we've been able to hit every show at Springport and we are the defending champions and hopefully we can get another one this year. Well, it showed on Saturday night. Uh, take me back to that restart. Looks like it was four or five to go. I think, um, I've raced there before and, and the funnest part to me was always driving down the back straightaway and down that hill into three. And it looks like on that restart, every single lap, that's where you made your time. 
Yeah, no, I was nervous actually on that last restart because they do the Delaware double there, and that was going to put me on the outside. So I was a little nervous at first, and um, and we took the green, and it was sticking on the outside. So then just going into three, I just dove that thing in there, and it stuck, and um, it was it was all gun hole from there. And I was trying not to jump and cheer in the car, man. It was awesome. It stuck, and I was I was happy with it. One of the things I noticed too is you know you you. On that restart, did you choose the outside on that restart? No. So how the Delaware double works is the leaders out front by themselves, and then second place goes to the inside, and third goes to the outside. Okay, so second doesn't have choice. They they uh, they automatically are on the bottom. Correct. Okay. Yep. All right. So the reason I bring that up is um, kind of like kind of like I'll say kind of again, Corrigan Oil. You can make the outside work at Springport, but you have to be. Uh, disciplined in order to do it and man that was how you took second and then eventually took the lead and as soon as you got the lead man you dove right down to the bottom side Um, was the car that good on the outside or did you just know that it was go time and that's what you had to do to get the win yeah I think I knew Al was pretty he was tied down to the bottom and he wasn't gonna make a move or bobble down there he was glued so I knew I just had to go on the outside and take it while I could. And I mean, I knew we were inside five to go, so it was it was go time. This is a Memorial Weekend, obviously, and for those who don't know, right, uh, the, the the background of, of this whole thing with the Rust Densmore Memorial and everything and, you know, Springport, Mid-Michigan Speedway, once known as Ideal Speedway. Rich, I, I, don't, I might be wrong, but I think one of the newest built racetracks in the state of Michigan, if not the newest uh, and still operating racetracks, in the state of Michigan, and you know, Aaron, I, I, the first time I was ever introduced to you, I think I raced against you in the front wheel drives, and that's where you spent quite a bit of your career, and kind of at you know Springport and Spartan and things of that, and and now you've moved up into one of the premier divisions in pavement late in pavement racing with the the modifieds. Does it all kind of come back? I mean, when you roll into Springport there, and you go back to the front straightaway, and and the pictures and the interviews, and uh, you know Sean Sprague and everything that has to do with it. What what are the emotions, and kind of do you take any time to reflect and reminisce on where you've been and where you are? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have cousins that are racing their front-wheel drives now, and it just takes me back to where it all started. You know, I watched my dad in the Modifieds and my uncles in the late models and everything, and it just, it's just it been family to us. And, you know, I wouldn't want to go anywhere else on a Saturday at Springport's racing and you know, just the, the people out there are second to none. The track welcomes some families, and that's huge for me and my boys. And, and we just we love going out there as a family and all the memories on the front stretch, and we're just having a blast. We love it. Aaron, i got to ask, I, you know, I think we all know your love of Springport, but when you have tracks like Owasso and Birch Run throwing money out on the line for the Modifieds, uh, does, that make, does that make things a little bit difficult to, uh, to go back home? Yeah, absolutely, yeah, and that's why we're we're glad that Springport's kind of jumping around with their schedule with the mods, and we're able to go and travel these new tracks, and, you know, Dixie, we're, we were never really good up at Birch Run, and then, you know, this year we actually had a good run with the mod tour, and Owasso, that track is the smoothest track I've ever been on, and we've had really good luck up there, and, um, and I can just feel the wind coming here shortly up there as well. Well, and, and you mentioned that Owasso, too, uh, because... I was there a couple of weeks ago, July 1st. I thought you were going to crack one off, man, and it was going to be with the Midwest Modifieds Tour as well, uh, you know, an organization that you're a rookie of the year with and uh, run with consistently. Um, one spot shy, and I think that 
if we don't get a caution late in traffic, you end up with the win. I don't know. Just knowing that 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 uh, I can't remember the guy's name who won the race um, isn't running a spotter, and you have that advantage on him in traffic. Um, take me back to July first. Do you think one slipped away there? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Tim Lahar actually is the one that won Tim, the race. Thank and, you. Yes, thank you. Um, I was working the outside of him, and then that late caution was, I think, what two to three to go. And man, yeah. I was screaming in the car. I was, <laughs> I was overly mad, and I knew, I knew I was getting to his outside. I knew he could start to hear me, and yeah, that one, that one got away. That one sucked. Yeah, and and those are the ones that hurt the most too, right? Because I. In traffic, you clearly had a better car, and I think, if I remember correctly, he he, uh, he gamed it a little bit on the restart. Not bad, but a little bit, and, and kind of got the jump on you, and you just never could reel him back in. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, the same thing happened just this last weekend up at Owasso with David McManus. Uh, <laughs> we were working the outside pretty good there, too, and, you know, caution comes out, and it just takes our chance away again, but... That's why I can feel it. We're coming on strong again, and I think we got a good chance here in the next few weeks. What do you think, Rich? I mean, uh, people might be excited to hear Aaron talk about using the outside at Owasso Speedway. Yeah, I know. Everybody I've talked to, Aaron, has said, you know, the the outside there isn't quite ready yet, isn't quite ready yet, Uh, but it seems like every week they run, it's getting closer and closer. Yeah, I think we kind of set up our car, too, to be able to work out there a little bit. you know, we, we've and, been setting and, and it up for longevity, and it's, what does been, that mean? it's been helping us tremendously. What does that mean, Aaron? What do you have to do? I mean, we're talking about a, a, a total of maybe eight feet different on the racing surface. So what does that mean when you say you're setting your car up to try to run out there? What do you have to do? Is it a looser area yeah, of the it, racetrack? Or, or explain that. Yeah, I mean, just kind of trying to figure out where everybody else is running and where my car is actually going to stick and just making sure you hit your marks when you're going in and, um, I think I've really tried to calm myself down on the outside out there, and it's helped out a lot. And Aaron, talk about it, I think that can maybe help out more on, on Zach's question. That's a progress, progressive banking there that they paved in there. So explain how that works to where at the bottom you're more on the flat, uh, and it maybe de-wedged the car a little bit. And then on the, on the higher side, you know, you, you can may, probably run it a little bit freer. Correct, yeah. I mean, to me, it's almost like there's two bottom grooves. Um, you can almost just move up slightly and there's still the bottom, but it's technically the top too. Um, to me, I like to put everything down right by the rumble strips and use those to the advantage. And, you know, it, it's helped me out a ton. And I know I just try to cut the corners as quick as I can to try to get the drive off before everybody else. I got to ask you uh, about something that's not pertaining to the race car. Um, you, you took a sticker on the back of your race car, extremely literal, and it's uh, now you have a little one running around the pits um, again. So talk about how that's been with, uh, is it is it Brexton? Is that right? Yeah, yep, Brexton. He's five months old as of Saturday night. and Oh, a nice um, little, he, uh, nice little uh, month present for him. Yeah, absolutely. He, he loves being at the track. Um, he, and Lucas is absolutely adorable there too. He loves being at the track. He's, he's always going to our neighbors in the pits, just trying to work on their cars. <laughs> and um, the kid always has a smile on his face and that's exactly what, you know, I love about it. And we can take our boys there and, uh, it's just a family affair. We love to do it and we all have fun with it. How awesome is it? Because it's something that I never got to experience and I don't think I ever will. Um, to see uh, Erica come around with with both of your kids and 
have that moment in victory lane? Uh, well, I was definitely in tears uh, seeing them come around. I, I don't know. Making being a dad definitely made me more emotional. And <laughs> hey, don't, you're not seeing, alone. I'm see, the same way, man. <laughs> <laughs> seeing them in victory lane just makes everything worth it. I mean, it makes the long hours in the shop worth it with my dad. And uh, it's just, uh, it's definitely going to be a fourth generation deal with both kids, and I'm looking forward to it. Go ahead, Rich. Oh no, I was just going to say. You, Aaron, Zach and I had a conversation. We were down at Anderson this weekend, and he reminded me about a video that Kyle Crump was seen running a four-cylinder, and he won some races on some big tracks in a four-cylinder. And then he's a Red Bud 400 Berlin, Battle of Berlin 250 champion. You know, you, you started out kind of the same way, and I don't get to see you a lot in the modifieds, but every time I see you, it seems like you just get better and better every time you get in that race car. Um, that's got to make you feel pretty good. Yeah, this year's definitely been a staple. Um, at, from wrecking the car at Berlin the very first night on a brand-new chassis to now we've got two wins on the year and multiple top two positions. And, uh, no, it's been, a, it's been a great year. We've gotten a lot of compliments, and um, I, can't, I couldn't do it without Butch putting me in his car and then my dad just working on it constantly in the shop. And uh, we're pretty, I'm pretty blessed to be where I'm at, and I hope that we could add hot, hot shoe to our list this year and, um, not only make the show for the first time, but, you know, go up there and save our win for the 10000 to win. Uh, do you know a guy named Steve Smith? I do, actually. He's a really good <laughs> friend of ours and a great sponsor. We he, appreciate him a lot. He sent me a message today. He said, uh, make sure that when you interview Aaron tonight, you ask him why it took him so long uh, to get back to victory lane. You got a win to start the season right away back in May. Uh, he wants to know what took you so long to get another one. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I spent a lot of time in Steve's shop a couple weeks ago and he helped us kick start the rest of the season. And, um, you know, I don't know. I wish I had a better answer for it. I know. Well, hey, you know what, though? It, it sounds like it was uh, partially his fault that you got to Victory Lane if you were hanging out in his shop. And, uh, I mean, guys like Steve, um, how important are people that you can trust and you can lean on? Obviously, Steve Smith right now is probably most well-known for being a championship dirt sprint car owner. But I just learned this a couple of weeks ago, right? I mean, a lot of people know he had a, he had a career in, in pavement sprint car racing as well. But he did dabble quite heavily in modified racing in the meantime. So um, a lot of people don't know that about Steve. No, actually, he used to race with my dad, and uh, that's how they became friends back then, too. And uh, a lot of people don't know I actually used to work for Steve, too, with coffee plumbing. But, nope, Steve, is he's great, and it's always you surround yourself with great people and great things come. And, you know, it always Steve's helped us out for a long time, and, um, you know, we couldn't we couldn't be where we are now without him. You know, and what I think is pretty cool, you know, you can say, well, I I won early in the season and it took me, you know, till July to get another one. But I think, I, I, and I know anybody who follows modified races know, but you don't get a break any night, right? I don't care where you're racing at, whether it's David McManus or, or Trevor Berry or Jeff Gannis, wherever you're going, I mean, you have – at any of the tracks that you go to, there is not a weak field in the bunch. No, exactly. And those three elite guys right there, and then you had Blake Rowe in there. I mean, the the Modifieds are the most stout class, I think, right now. And even Brian Berger is dipping into the Modifieds. And, you know, you got the heavy hitters coming. And um, I'd like to call myself one of those. And those guys show up, and your chest beats a little more, and it just makes everything more worth it when you can come out on top along with those guys.
Well, let me follow that up. What What's it going to take for you? Because I think you're pretty darn good already. What's it going to take for the driver to believe, or does he already believe, that he can beat those guys on every, any given night? I do, actually. Um, yep, I think we got a pretty good chance this year up at the Hot Shoe, up at Owasso, and um, we've had a lot of good finishes up there recently, and I'm looking to make it one more when all those guys are there as well. This season has been stellar for you. Eight events uh, on the My Race Pass app, eight top tens, seven top five finishes. Do you even remember what it feels like to not do well at a racetrack? <laughs> I'd like to say no, but yes. <laughs> uh, the, the start of the season was rough for us with the Midwest Mod Tour, but um, we like to, we're just, we got a motto in the barn now. We're taking run one race at a time, and we're just having fun along the way, and uh, nights like this make it worth it. What about that Midwest Modifieds Tour as well? And we've documented that pretty well here on Horsepower Happenings. Um, so many different modified organizations have sanctioned over the last 10, 15, 20 years, and now Midwest Mods is the current one, and they seem to be uh, you know, on a pretty strong leg, and of course the guys that are running it are, are great modified guys. Um, Rookie of the Year honors you know, last year, and now this year running very strong with them. Um, championship on your radar? Is that the goal? Wins first? I mean, how do you look at that Midwest Modified Tour, and are you a faithful follower of it, or do you just run Modifieds whenever and wherever you can? No, I think I'd like to think we're pretty faithful to them. Um, like I said, this year we just had a really rough start with them, so it kind of took us out of the points championship chase. But um, you know, I'm just chasing wins this year with them. We came close once this year, and um, last year we went to Winchester with them and finished fourth, got our highest finish with them. And um, you know, they they got a great group of guys. You know, the whole crew is awesome. I think when you put Bud and Brian Nestor in there, you know, they're two former racers, one still racing, and they know what the drivers want, so that's what they're going out to get. Aaron, I think I think my one of my memories, because it was probably one of the nights you want to forget, is at Flat Rock, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> tell, me what, tell me what happened on the backstretch, because it, it seemed like Hale just kind of drove over your right rear, and that just threw everything else haywire. Yeah, which actually, I drove over his right rear. It looks like they everybody... Everybody stacked up in front of us, and, I mean, running there is kind of like running Kalamazoo. You can't really see around the corner. So coming out of the coming out of turn two, and, and everybody just backed up, and I had nowhere to go. So I tried to go out on the outside, and it just sent me sailing. Let's talk about what's left on the schedule for 2023. And we'll, we're talking about Midwest Modified Tour, so let's stay right there uh, in a place that Rich and I just left 48 hours ago. Anderson Speedway's coming up at the end of the month. Are you going to make the trip? I'm not sure. You know, actually, we're taking it, like I said, just one one show at a time while we're while the car's still in good shape and we're fast. And, um, you know, Owasso is only an hour away from us, and Anderson, I think, is a three- or four-hour drive. So sure. I'm not really sure what way we're going to go yet. Um, we're just going to play it by ear the next few weeks. we got Corrigan Oil on this checklist as well. So uh, and that it should was be an interesting next month and of course that's the same week and so that was going to be my next uh question is the opportunity to return to corrigan oil obviously a place that you did really well at in the front wheel drive and you know they took pretty much pretty much took this season off you're going to get two opportunities to run modifieds there in 2023 um does that get your blood pumping a little bit to get a chance to go back there and then of course uh, this is going to be one of the marquee events with a wednesday night race and and being the bob finley memorial it's 
going to have a lot of hype around it. Does that get, get you going a little bit? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Spartan is, or I call it Spartan, but Corgan is one of our staple tracks. I, I grew up there watching my whole family race there. So it'll, it's exciting to get back and Dale Spencer and the whole Finley family have been working their tails off to get the modified payout a lot better for that show. And um, it's really showing. They got it up to 2000 to win. And nice. Uh, I'm excited to get back there. Yeah, I'm really pumped. What does it take? To, well, I was oh, go going to ask real quick while we're talking about Spartan. I don't want you to give away all your speed secrets, Aaron, but what's it going to take for you to get to victory lane there? What, With as little circle track racing has been done on that racetrack this year, is there going to be an outside groove that you can use? I mean, what are what, how are you kind of processing and preparing for this event uh, that we're only a couple? Yeah. What are we? We're a week away uh, from this Wednesday. Yeah, you know, you know, I'm not really sure if there will be an outside. I hope there really is, but it just depends on if they're putting syrup down on the track like there were last year. Um, we're going to go there, and it's going to be fresh. There's going to be no rubber, so it's going to be interesting, you know, how much rubber the mod and the supers can lay down, and um, it's going to be, I think it'll be the fight to the finish, but, you know, we've been on a pretty good streak, so I hope we can just keep that going. Sounds like maybe bring a couple extra front and rear bumpers uh, if you're going to Corrigan on Wednesday, because if there's no help for the grip, it, it might be a little bit of a, uh, a bumper car fest. Yeah, absolutely. We got those stock in the barn. <laughs> Aaron, look, while, we're, while we're on the subject there, you know, we, we've been watching, Zach and I know, know the Finleys real well, and we've been watching this event develop over the past few months. Um, in my opinion, this is one, it, it may not be the biggest paying modified race out there in our region, but it's going to be very important. And, and I think anybody who wins this race next Wednesday, uh, that's going to be a pretty big feather in your cap. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, I'm not sure if there's actual lap money or not, but like I said, Dale and Bill Spencer and the Finley family, they've been working tirelessly on it and uh, it's going to be, it's going to be awesome to whoever can pull that off. And I hope that it's us because, we our families have a lot of history together running with the Finleys and the Ryans and the Taylors. And uh, so it'd just be a cool staple to put that on our checklist. You mentioned that you have some extended family now getting into front wheel drives and um, you know, you're, you're kind of, obviously your dad laid the foundation, but right now it seems like maybe you're carrying that Taylor name uh, in the racing world. Uh, is that, I don't want to say is that a weird spot to be in, but I think you look at when your dad is the one who raced and, and laid the foundation and now not doing that so much and kind of you're the one that everybody knows and is talking about and is watching at the race racetrack. Uh, how is that changing of the guard been for you? Um, you know, it, it definitely brings an emotional standpoint to it, just being carrying on the family tradition that not only my dad's side loved, but, you know, my mom's side too as my Uncle Chuck or Charge and Charlie Ryan just got inducted into the Hall of Fame this year, and um, the whole family asked me to do the speech at the banquet. Oh, really? And yeah, so it's just, it's kind of, you know, it's been an emotional year just with that, and like I said, I think being becoming a dad made me more emotional, so I'm probably being a big baby about it, but <laughs> it's, it's just, it's, it's, not your it's, fault. Awesome to, it's awesome to carry on the tradition, and I couldn't be more proud of the staple that I came from, and um, I'm hoping that I can make everybody proud. I know of an, another driver that uh, has a youngster named Braxton, and he's been trained to to get into the racing from the time he was, uh, I think, came out of the womb. Uh, are those your plans with Braxton as well? Yeah, absolutely. Yep, Lucas has taken a huge interest in the race car too, and um, Braxton. I mean, he he doesn't spend a whole lot of time out in the barn, but Lucas does, and. 
Um, I'm excited to get them both. I think we're going to go mini wedge first, and uh, hopefully we can get them into a quarter midget and get them slinging some dirt and then just make them better for the asphalt. Is modifieds, and I may, we may have asked you this before, but I think that it changes every time we talk to a driver just based on where they're at. Uh, is modifieds the end game for you? Uh, you? You mentioned your dad. We've talked about it a lot. That That's kind of where he made his career. Is that where you'll make your career, or do you look toward a template or an outlaw or something like that? I know modifieds seems to be a really nice kind of, not really a median ground, but a, a nice tier of racing that you don't have to take out a couple of loans uh, at a, a season to, to compete in. No, absolutely. And we have a lot of sponsors that help us out along the way. And uh, no, I think modifieds is where it really sticks to us. And the competition, like I said before, is just fierce and makes it all worth it when you can finish up front. And, you know, I think modifieds are just, there's a good group of guys, great group of competitors that are running with us and we don't tear stuff up every week. And, if I was to dabble out, I would probably go to a, like a street stock or something, just to have a little bit more fun and something that's less expensive. But well, you could always um, you could I always think, put a front wheel drive together together again, just just for you know the giggles of it. <laughs> yeah, I hey, I've I've ran one in the last couple of years, and they still they're still a ton of fun to me. That's right, Aaron. Now before we let you get out of here, man, um, we know like you said, you got a lot of people that help on that race car. And um, congratulations on your win on Saturday. Now's your chance to give them all a shout-out. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, like I said, Butch Taylor with Taylor Concrete actually owns the car. Um, he, he helps us out a ton. I wouldn't be driving this high caliber without him. I uh, appreciate him a lot. Uh, Biloxi Tavern, Airtech Machining, Complete Tree, Coffee Plumbing with Steve Smith and Michelle, uh, Pops Towing, Fog Oil, Willby Concrete has helped us out a ton this year. And they are new to us. Uh, automatic Sales, Premier Sports, LJC Excavating, Clean Heating, DNR Services, Young's Lawn Care and Flooring, DA Builders, Jensen Plumbing, Leslie Lane, Jack Oakley Video, Patrick Plumbing, Cookout Nestor Race Cars, and Ryan Competition Engines all help us out throughout the year. And we we wouldn't be here without them, and we appreciate them a ton. Well, Aaron, man, congratulations on the win at Springport. You mentioned Owasso Speedway and how close you have been there. Um, you're playing it by ear, but what do you think? When's that? When do you when do you feel like that next opportunity to go to Victory Lane is? Is is, is your confidence and momentum as high as it will you know would be after a win? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, if it's not within the next two weeks, either at Owasso or Corrigan, uh, I think we're going to save it for the hot shoe and <laughs> come come back with that big check and. Uh, hopefully we can make that happen and make the family proud. Right. Aaron, just tell them every race we go to. Just That's leave right. me alone. Every That's race right. we go to. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. Hey, Aaron, thank you so much, man. Uh, congratulations on that win. We'll talk to you again soon, all right? Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. Have a good night. Well, good to catch up with Aaron. Uh, what a lot of fun and uh, really cool to see him kind of carry that torch. And I don't want to say – you can't say come into your own after, you know, winning the Midwest Modified Tour Rookie of the Year. He's been doing this modified thing for a couple seasons, Rich. But in my brain, I still hear Aaron Taylor, and I see uh, an orange Dodge Neon front-wheel drive. Um, but that that is changing, right? The, the, the tides have changed. It's a new, new era of racing. And um, like you asked him, I think Aaron Taylor now is, is going to be one to beat at all, every modified race that he's at. I don't get to see them. I don't. I, I don't get to see the modifieds race as much as I'd like to. And I know they're one of your favorite divisions to watch they, racing. They, they really are. But, but um, every time that I seem to be able to catch the modifieds, 
that 22 machine is up there and running up near the top five. And, and this year, he's just clicking off, not just – not like Eric Spangler would say top ones, but uh, <laughs> but he's got a ton of top twos and a couple of wins to go with it. I don't think you can complain about that. He's doing an awesome job this year. Well, one news story that we would be remiss if we didn't talk about, another racetrack rich in 2023 and another new owner here in the state of Michigan. It was announced over the weekend that M40 Speedway in Jones had changed hands again. This time, Bill and John Russell, a uh, family affair and a couple of names that are synonymous with racing over on the west side of the state. Uh, Bill owned a race car uh, for quite some time. You may re- remember the, uh, the 7-Eleven uh, America Likes the Freedom car, kind of a station wagon look. Jason Seltzer sent me this picture. Uh, it's a really cool picture, by the way. Um, so that's the family who now is owning M40, and they're going to continue to operate it through the rest of the season, according to a social media post on Wednesday. Open practices will continue, including this week. Plus, they'll continue running their Sunday afternoon shows. Point standings will stand and continue throughout the rest of the season. Uh, the big change is no night of destructions that were originally scheduled. Those have been removed, and uh, they're going to focus in on the circle track program there at M40. So uh, pretty cool. Maybe sometime in the coming weeks once they get settled in, we can try to uh, see if we can catch a word with them. Yeah, now that's that's completely opposite from anybody who wants to make some money, right? It seems like you, you have a night of destruction, and that's the night – you get to make some money. Any track you go to, it's hard to find a seat. Uh, that's, I think that's very admirable to say, no, we're going to go racing on Sundays. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, your diehard, uh, old-fashioned, air quotes, old-fashioned race fans are, are, are going to like that for sure. So good luck to them. Good luck to the Russells. And, you know, the racetrack is not that far from my house. Sunday afternoons are a good afternoon for a motorcycle ride. Uh, might have to buzz on over there sometime and see what's going on. Stay tuned to HorsepowerHappenings.com this week. We'll have two very important power ranking updates, Rich. Outlaw Super Late Models, while we were down gallivanting around with our template friends, uh, as we mentioned, they had that big race at Owasso. So uh, Outlaw rankings are going to get shook up this week as well. As the Dirt uh, Michigan Winged Sprint Car Power Rankings, presented by Jim Coffee and Sun Plumbing and Heating, as we talked, um, or as we will talk, that's going to get shaken up this week because uh, Butler, again, was the only place that ran wing sprint cars with GLSS uh, having a couple of weeks off here in the state of Michigan. So it's going to shake up uh, both divisions once again. Yeah, and I drove back from Anderson yesterday, so I slacked today. God, forgive me. Oh, um, you'll, you'll be so, all right. Yep, so I did not do the outlaws. So maybe what we'll do is we'll just wait for after the stand U150 and we'll update the outlaws for both. Uh, the Quad Crown Series and the Stan U 150 should have a lot of moving around after those two events. Well, a driver who's going to add his name this week to that power rankings list, and if he's already on it, he's going to move up a little bit in the uh, Michigan winged sprint car power rankings list. He makes his home in Adrian, Michigan. Darren Nido, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Hey, guys, thanks for having me. Well, it finally happened, man. <laughs> you have been on so many people's radar for so long uh, that we we were excited for this moment, and we knew it was going to come. Uh, you get your first 410 f- uh, sprint car feature win uh, in what I believe is your second or third year. Remind me, I can't remember, because you have been dabbling in this for so long, and you've been doing so much open-wheel work. Uh, that this is this is relatively early in your four full time four ten sprint car career that you get the job done. Yeah, so this is uh this is my second full year of sprint car racing. Okay. Um, 
raced micros for a few years before that and uh ran a couple midget races but this was my uh this is my first or my second full year of smart car racing and of course that first year you guys weren't uh, dealing with any slouches either you were racing some really big events and some really big uh you know attica and fremont and things like that so um take me to saturday all right we get some storms passing through the races are in jeopardy Tim and his gang say we're going to do this at Butler. Uh, we are going to race. It's, of course, just only two days after a Dirt Car Summer Nationals Hell Tour. you got to be going into that thing. I, listen, I've raced at Butler. I've worked at Butler. I know how the thought process is. This track is going to do one of two things. It's going to be absolute garbage, or it's going to be fast, and it's going to be racy. What were you dealt on Saturday? I felt like I was dealt a uh, fast and racy butler. Um, <laughs> well, that was the right answer right there. That was the right <laughs> answer. <laughs> yeah, talk about it, man. Yeah. How did how did things play out? How did it come to you? Uh, first and foremost, um, Tim Wilburn and the whole gang over that butler worked crazy hard all day. Um, Tim showed me a couple pictures from, from before the night had started and how uh, much water was in that place. The whole infield was underwater, so the amount of work that they put into that place to uh, – to get it racy for us and get it give us a nice a nice surface to race on it's where we weren't tearing up crazy amounts of equipment was was really good and uh and i appreciate all their effort um obviously with all the moisture that we had gotten throughout the night and into into the morning it was it was fast and it was it was wide open for most of the night um but they did a good job getting it widened out um and it just seemed like everything everything kind of fell our way um we we uh we went out right in the right in the middle for qualifying. Um, ended up qualifying like fifth overall, um, and then won our heat race from second. And and Tim came down uh, when we did the redraw, um, and I I was able to pull the one. So um, I knew I wasn't going to be be easy. Uh, I raced with with Bryce Lucius quite a bit down in Ohio, uh, and I raced with him a little bit in micros too. And I know I know he's hungry for that first one too. So um, I know I just had to go out and attack at every lap. And uh, and just try and be perfect. You know, this is one of those scenarios where you start on the pin and you and you go all the way and you win the race. Twenty five laps, the distance. You mentioned Bryce starting to your outside. He has some sort of issue. Falls back through the field quite a bit. Ends up uh, back in twelfth from that outside pole. But you've got drivers who know that racetrack that are coming too. Keith Shefford Jr. from fifth. Coming up behind you, Josh Turner, last year's champion. Tyler Rankin, he's hot and hungry for another win. Uh, how about Ryan Harrison making the trip down as well? Jet Mann, uh, points leader Trey McGranahan. I mean, uh, all guys that know this racetrack really, really well. Did you ever really have any company, or was that car, was that 7N car set on kill from the drop of the green flag? Um, there was definitely some company. Uh, uh, we had quite a few yellows during the feature, so... So it bunched us up quite a bit. I felt like I felt like I could get through traffic better than most cars could, um, which I feel like is really crucial around Butler. Um, but um, I had we had quite a few restarts. So like uh, talking after the race with with my dad and a couple other people, um, I had Bryce starting right behind me a couple times, and I had I had Rankin on me, and then and I knew I had to had to get good restarts. And um, luckily, Steve Harding came over uh wednesday night and uh and helped us get this thing to take off a little bit better so it, it uh it was set on kill all night long and uh and i had a couple people poke poke noses under me during restarts um but i was just able to to keep my momentum up and, and pull away so um i knew that if i wasn't if i wasn't on it 
I was probably going to get slid on a restart or, or something like that. Um, but luckily I was, I was challenged a couple times, but luckily I held on. Darren, we know about the competition that can show up to Butler on a weekly basis, but I'm a, I'm a dirt vision and a flow racing geek and I'm on that about four nights a week. And I never know when I'm going to, sh- when I'm going to turn it on and see you out there. It seems like quite a lot. Talk to me about your progression this year and going to these new racetracks or tracks you maybe you're seeing a second time, which is always helpful, not to mention the competition that you're racing against, which I think is second to none. Yeah, we've, uh, just like last year, we're just trying to learn every time we hit the racetrack. Um, we can always be better and we can always get more speed and, and stuff like that. And, um, and we started working with the, with the Linder brothers and, and the guys at Linder Speed Equipment this year. And uh, I feel like they've definitely quickened my progression as a driver um, and just our whole team, really. Um, we still travel down to Attica and Fremont quite a bit, but we've been trying to do a little bit more this year since, since I'm 16 now. Um, I, can, I can go race with the Outlaws and I can go race with the All-Stars. So we, uh, we've made a couple of trips um, out with the all- Outlaws and all that. We went to, to Hobstad, Indiana, um, and Tri-State Speedway. Um, then we went out to Wilmot a couple of weeks ago in Wisconsin and just been having a blast. I feel like I learned a ton when I'm racing with those guys. Um, just cause the level that they race at and how hard they push it all the time, it, it elevates you as a driver. We talked to a lot of the UMP late model drivers here that seem to go out. They go down to Illinois and, and Indiana and, and, and try their luck with, you know, some of the Lucas oil races or, or an outlaw race or something. And they say they go down there because they, there's a better than a 50, 50 chance they're going to get their butt kicked and they learn when they do, when that happens. Um, do you learn the same way or do you need to be out on the racetrack, make your way through the, all the events and run the feature to learn? In my opinion, I learn a ton racing with the outlaws and racing with the all-stars. When you race with the guys that, that race 90, 90 to a hundred times a year, you're going to learn no matter what. Um, and you're going to learn every night, no matter what, it just depends on how much. And I feel like, when you're racing with guys that do it for a living and are good enough to do it for a living, just your, your race craft as a driver gets so much better. Um, getting in those situations, um, just racing with guys that are super experienced and, and they know what to do and just figuring, figuring out what they're going to do. Um, like when racing with people and, and kind of being able to predict what, what's going to happen, um, makes, makes me better as a driver and, and gives our team a better chance at winning every night. And, and really, let's not sugarcoat it. That's what you want to do for a living as well, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if you're not in this sport to, uh, to win races and, and try and do it for a living or at least give your best effort, um, I think you're doing the wrong thing. You know, 16 years old, I think, uh, you know, obviously, uh, not to get too scientifical here, but, you know, your brain's still developing, right? You're still you're taking a lot of knowledge and a lot of information in high school and things of that nature, Um, And one of the things that I remember from racing at your age is that I would look back in a couple of years and go, well, man, you big dummy. You didn't even really process what you were learning at that point. Um, Do you have people who are helping you further understand or at least, you know, because and this is no knock against you. It's just where you're at in life. And Rich, you can attest to this, too. There's a 16-year-old way of under of understanding what's going on, and then there's a 26-year-old way of understanding, and a 36, and 46, and 56, and 66. It's just as you get older and older and older, your understanding and concept of what is happening changes. So when you come in from a race, I guess I'm asking, and you say, here's what I think happened. 
who's bouncing things back to you? Who else is kind of helping you, you know, understand and learn and build in this sport? Um, for the most part, uh, it's my dad and, and Steve Harding. Um, but, but this year we've, uh, we started working with, with Steven and Mike Linder and, uh, I feel like they've really elevated me as a driver. Um, working with, with somebody that's, that's done it at, at Attica and Fremont a lot and, and knows how to get the job done. And, and just, if you look at what they've done over the past couple of years, working with drivers like, like Cole Macedo and Buddy Kofoid and, and even before that Carson Macedo, um, they obviously know how to make good drivers out of people. And, and I feel like working with them makes me a lot better person. Cause like if I come in and I say that I feel like I'm, for example, I'm just like too tight in the center of the corner and like they, they help me, they help break it down and, and like understand and help me understand it. Like, like if my entry is just a little bit off then then the center of the corner is not going to be right. And then I'm going to be screwed up on exit. So really just like, just the little stuff um, every night racing with them guys, I feel like makes me makes me better as a driver and puts me puts me in a better position every time at the racetrack. Take me back a couple of weeks. Um, it's holiday weekend, Fourth of July weekend, um, and you know everybody kind of knew what the situation was on that Saturday that rain was going to come through. It was going to be heavy. There were going to be storms, and racing was going to be a big question mark. And then all of a sudden, I see on social media, um, it's raining in Ohio. We're going to Wisconsin to race tonight. Um, that is a long haul from, you know, Adrian, Michigan to get up to Wilmot uh, in one day and then race that night, man. What, how did that kind of all come together? Were you guys talking about that on Friday night kind of maybe as an option or was it really a Saturday morning decision there a couple of weeks ago? It was really a Saturday morning decision. Wow. Um, we, had, <laughs> we had everything ready to go Friday night. Um, cause where Fremont would have been we the, needed the a, preferred place, right? Is that kind of where you guys were eyeballing going if it would have been perfect weather? Yeah, I think ideally we were going to end up at Fremont. Okay. Um, but, but just looking at the weather and looking at, looking at the weather up in Michigan and, and really everywhere through Ohio, um, it just, it looked terrible all day long and it ended up really everywhere. I ended up raining out except for out in Wisconsin. So we, um, we got everything ready Friday night and we were just right before we all went to bed. We were just, me and my dad were kind of bouncing around the idea of going out there. Um, and of course I was all for it. I love getting to new racetracks and, <laughs> and racing with the outlaws too. Um, so when we woke up Saturday morning, um, just check the weather one last time and, uh, and hit the road, um, headed out to Wilmot and, uh, and I really enjoyed racing out there. What was the timeline? I mean, did you guys hit the road at like seven o'clock in the morning or something? And when did you guys get up there? Did you have was it comfortable as far as your timeline? I don't really remember exactly when we got up. I know we weren't sleeping until noon or anything like that. <laughs> um, but yeah, but um, you guys got there with plenty of time, we, obviously. Then yeah, we were we were there with plenty of time. Uh, we were one of the the later rigs to pull into the racetrack, but. But we still had plenty of time. Like we, there was downtime when we got to the racetrack. We had everything ready to go and all that. Um, like when we got to the racetrack, all we had to do was was change gear and uh, and and change some of the rear bars around. So, so for the most part, we were we were pretty ready. Um, and 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 that helped us a lot when we were on the way. 
Well, let's say uh, I kind of want to, you know, there's going to be naysayers for everything that's accomplished. You know, they may go on my race pass and say, all right, Darren Knight, I got to win at Butler. Well, he started on the pole. Darren Knight, got Knight, I got to win at Butler. Well, the only, you know, 14 cars finished the race. You know, people are like that in our sport. But how much does this first win mean to you as far as, you know, we can talk sentimental, what it means to get the first win out of the way. But I also wonder about, the, the mental side of things. You were so dominant in mini and micro sprint racing that I just wonder if you were starting, even even in midway through your second season, if you were starting to wonder about this 410 career at all, um, what what does this first win for you mean and, and how does it kind of set you up moving forward? Honestly, it, it just feels, more than anything, it just feels like kind of a relief. Um obviously going from micros and winning a lot of micros and going to sprint cars and not winning for a year and a half is tough. Um, it's tough in whatever you do to, to not win for a year and a half and, and just be hungry the whole time for, for more and just want to, just want to have like a really good night where stuff goes your way and all that. Um, so more than anything on the mental side, it, it's just a relief. And it, and in my opinion, it feels like, now I'm a little bit more relaxed and, and I know that I can get the job done. Right. So, so that that's kind of like a weight off my shoulders and, and now I just get to go out and drive. And Darren, when I, when I'm able to, to catch you at, at some of your events, when I'm, when I'm watching on, on the couch here, um, man, it, I watch some of these guys and it, it looks like they don't know the difference between a nose wing and a tail tank, uh, trying to get that sprint car around a racetrack. And when you're out there competing against the best in the business, and I'm watching you. I don't see that out of you. It looks like you. Do you? Can you feel inside the car that you're getting better and better? Yeah, I mean, I just I feel like this year especially has helped me a lot, and uh, and I feel like again having Stephen and, and Michael Linder with us has helped me just be more confident as a driver um, and understand when you can run the thing in 110 percent and be wide open and when. When you gotta when you gotta roll out and be patient and, and run the bottom or the middle, um, just stuff like that, I feel like has, has helped me a lot. And um, and I feel like last year, I was just kind of learning the the difference between a, a four tenth wing sprint car and a micro sprint is huge. Um, just yeah, way more power. It's a bigger race car, um, and it's not that much heavier. So you're just at first you're just kind of wrestling the thing. And, and a lot of people say like, you gotta, like if you're the faster you're going, the more in control it, it feels to you. Um, and, and it took me forever to, to get that through my head. Just, That's a little backwards. Isn't like, it? Yeah, for sure. Like going to Attica and qualifying and being right up on the edge and, and telling yourself not to turn the wheel in my opinion is one of the hardest things I had to do yet. Um, <laughs> yeah. just the mental side of stuff like that is, it's super tough and, and understanding that and, and it obviously racing Attica, Fremont, all these tracks in Ohio that have great weekly competition makes me, makes me better in the long run. I might, I might get, um, I might not have the greatest results all the time and I might not, might not be on top of the world or anything, but, but I'm learning a lot and I feel like that's, that's what matters most. And you know, too, Butler's tricky. I mean, how many how many uh, places have we gone, and we've seen, or how many times have we gone there, and we've seen some of the nation's best blow it off the top of the racetrack, or just be absolutely garbage? That track's hard to get a hold of. Um, and, and two, uh, the history of your family and that racetrack. 
does that make it more special? I mean, it's kind of your home track there in Adrian. You know, flip a coin if you go south or go over to Butler. Um, but obviously, you know, with, with your granddad and with Saad and with, you know, the, the great relationship that that track had with that organization. And, you know, we, then we talk about Steve and just all of the family ties that you have to that three-eighths mile high banked oval. Was that, does that make it even more special for you? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it's definitely special. Winning your first race, no matter where you win, it's going to be special. You're going to remember it for, for a really long time. Um, but, but that definitely makes it a little more special, just understanding that, that my grandpa raced there for years and, and was a track champion in the 90s and, and how much um, Saad developed the sprint car scene in Michigan, right? Now, we got, now we've got GLSS and all that stuff, and it's, and it's grown to be really big. Um, so, so just understanding all the history and then just how involved, like, my dad and and my grandpa, and, and even my uncle have been in the Michigan sprint car history. It's it's, it's cool. Darren, you talked about uh, your family, where you where where, where you get some great advice in your race team. But are, are there drivers that you get to go compete against that you've kind of navigated to that you can talk to and kind of pick their brain? Um, you know, some of those guys that you get to run into on a weekly or a couple times a month. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Cole Macedo has helped me a lot. Going down and racing at a Fremont for the past couple of years, he's been kind of the guy, right? Um, he's won, he won a couple of track championships last year and won the AFCS title. So it's like being able to to approach somebody like that and and just kind of pick their brain a little bit um, has really helped me just kind of wrap my head around things. I want to change gears here just a little bit. Ironic because, you know, you can't do that in a sprint car, but we can do it during a sprint car interview. Uh, I, I know it was a bad dad joke. you got to let those go. Uh, there was a really, really uh, viral video that went around um, not long ago of a non-wing sprint car being pushed off from the staging lane for qualifying. It got sideways on the front of the push truck and, and hits the guardrail, blows the right rear tire, I'm sure, damages a bunch of other stuff. And... This is something we don't see very often anymore. Uh, and you actually were a, the, the, a victim of a similar situation earlier this year uh, down at Fremont. And I'm not trying to pick on anybody, but I just I, I want to understand kind of the situation and how you handle that when something so outside of your um, outside of your control really dictates your night and what you have to deal with. Kind of take me back to May. What happened and how you guys dealt with that? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing was just staying calm, right? When something like that happens, it's And, it's and tell us, for those who don't it. know, what exactly did happen? Because I don't Did he jump your tire or what happened there with the push truck? Yeah, so we were at, we were at Fremont Speedway and, and we had gotten a red flag and, um, and we were in the heat race and we were all just stage around our racetrack and and everybody makes mistakes nobody's perfect so so you can't you can't you can't be like super angry at anybody um because it's one of them things that happens from time to time um but just trying to stay calm through the whole process and like we got a red and push truck came up on me and he wasn't perfectly straight so i was pointed towards the infield and i think i think the guy was trying to trying to get to another car uh, just too soon and uh, and jumped the right rear tire and, and destroyed the, the wing and flattened the right rear tire and a couple other things. Um, 
but just trying to stay calm through the whole process because we still got half a heat race left to go and uh and not everybody transfers out of things so you gotta you gotta try and kind of get back up on the wheel and, and move back forward um just try and persevere through the whole thing so so the biggest thing for me was just trying to stay calm and and it, it was definitely a learning experience and by hey, the, like Zach, like Zach said, Darren, at 16 years old and 60, I'm 60 now. I'd have been getting them belts off trying to get to that truck <laughs> as quick as I could. That's the difference between 16 and 60. All right. Oh man. <laughs> but and to and to Darren's point though, Rich, uh, the rest of this, if you go, if you scroll way back and you find the the update about this, transfer through the B main, 19th to 7th for a hard charger that night at, at Fremont. Um, kind of a grain of salt because you you look at that performance and you go it'd have been a lot nicer to go from seventh to maybe first in that night but to be able to put on that performance after that setback is impressive yeah the racetrack was was pretty awesome that that night there was a it was slick all the way across to a to a thin curb and one and two and uh and three and four you could just run the thing as hard as it would go um so i felt like a lot of times i could take advantage of guys that were that were racing and uh, and maybe moved down a lane or moved moved up a lane and just weren't carrying all the speed to just shoot that shoot that gap and and try and try and take advantage of that opportunity. Well, Darren, uh, you know the first win is now in the books, so let's look forward. What what else do you guys have going on with like Rich mentioned? You guys uh, will show up with the All Stars or with World of Outlaws at any given moment. Do you have a set schedule for 2023, or do you guys just start talking on Tuesday and Wednesday and looking at schedules and seeing where you're going to go? We really don't have a set schedule. Um, we heard, I feel like one of our biggest setbacks this year and last year too has been has been engines, right? Like they don't last forever, um, and at some point in time they got to be rebuilt. So after Wilmot, it was time to send it send it to send it to Paul and the guys at Kistler and uh and get our engine rebuilt so so we were worried about having to take a couple weeks off or something like that and uh and steve harding really stepped up and kept us racing i uh i definitely would not have won at butler um on saturday night if it wasn't for steve he uh he loaned us an engine for for a couple weeks and uh and having that's been a huge help so um really that's like you can't you can't go to Eldora and you can't go to Knoxville and you can't go to Pennsylvania on these big half miles just having one engine. Sure, because it's tough on stuff and uh, and as soon as something like that ha- something gets hurt or or just something happens in the engine and you got to pull a thing out, you're you're taking time off of racing. So we're just trying to be as smart as we can about it with the funding that we have available. Um, and we don't we don't have a set schedule, but we're always just kind of looking at the options on Tuesday, Wednesday night, and uh, and checking out where to go that weekend, like like this weekend, we're in a toss up because we have we have three or four options for Friday night, um, and we're just we're just not sure what we're doing yet. You mentioned Steve Harding, a, a great supporter of sprint car racing and a, and a great car owner as well. You started the early parts of the season uh, dabbling in some GLSS uh, stuff with some 360 uh, stuff f- for Steve in that Nefco performance or Nefco uh, manufacturing car. Whatever happened with that? Uh, did, did you guys just decide to kind of move some resources over to your 410 program instead? We're we're just kind of doing what makes sense for us. Okay. Um, right now, I don't feel like I feel like the best thing to do is just get a little experience in everything. Um, 
I'm trying not to like lock myself down into a points battle or something like that to where I'm <laughs> I've committed to only running three sixties when I could be running a four ten and, and a three sixty here and then just just trying to take the opportunities that I have given to me. Sure. And um and I feel like in the four ten I definitely learn a lot more than I do in the three sixty just because everything's a lot faster pace and I feel like everything like everything's a lot more violent in a way. Just just speeds and and trying to control that thing is so much harder than than the three sixty stuff. Like I'm not I'm not trying to knock on any of the three sixty guys. They all do a great job, but I feel like if I want to do this professionally, I feel like it, the things that I have to do um, are more focused on the 410 stuff. Um, and then that's not saying I can't go and run 360 races um, or stuff like that. Um, and I love racing 360s when I can. I, I love racing anything in general. So as long as as long as I'm in the seat, I feel like I'm uh, I'm enjoying it. Well, Darren, congratulations on picking up. Uh your first 410 win at Butler. Uh, now we're going to give you a chance to give a shout-out. And I know you got a couple different race cars, so it might take a minute. Uh, for everybody that uh, helps you out throughout the season. Yeah, i got to thank, thank Steve Harding and the guys at, at NASCO um, just for, for working hard for me and, and, and giving me the opportunity to go race this car when we can and, and, and loaning us an engine. Because um, without him, we wouldn't be racing right now. Um, and i got to thank... Nathan Ackland and Ackland Insurance for for helping us out and 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 just being there for us uh, when we need help and all that. Um, he's been a huge help along the way of this sprint car journey. Um, and I got to thank Susarski Exhibition and Paving. They've they've really been along right by my side when I need support, um, and they're they're always a huge help and always super supportive and all that. Um, and I got to thank Poor Racing for always. Probably coming to the racetrack and, and helping us um, and, and helping us out with, with a whole bunch of different stuff. Um, he helps us make these trips to Wisconsin and, and Fremont and Attica every week. Um, and I got to thank uh, Townline Variety and Miles Hill um, for, for all his help. Without, I feel like without those four or five guys, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have made the jump from a micro to a sprint car. Um, I got to thank Wade at Kaiser Aluminum Wheels. Um, just really everybody that's helped me along this whole journey. Um, and I really got to thank Linder Speed Equipment and Michael and Steven and Emily and Stephanie Linder for all for all coming to the racetrack and helping and, and helping me advance as a driver. Well, man, Darren, uh, again, congratulations on that first win, getting it out of the way. Um, and, and, Rich, we've talked to other guys, right? Get that first one knocked down and the rest – seem to start following up. So uh, we'll be excited to see what happens for you, Darren, the rest of the season and into 2024, man. So congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way, all right? Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on the show. We mentioned it when we talked with Aaron Taylor. And uh, before we get to that, I want to say uh, thanks to Darren Nida for making time to chat with us. We, I said this jokingly when we uh, called him. I said, when we talk to these teenage drivers from Michigan who are making strides, at some point, we call them, and all of a sudden, they're full-grown adults. Uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden, Katie Hettinger sounds like a young woman, and now Darren Nida sounds like a, a full-grown man when you call him on the phone. Uh, so kind of cool to see that progression. But uh, how about it? Darren Nida finally knocks one down. I don't – I say finally. Were we growing impatient for him to win a 410 sprint car race in, in a year and a half? 
I don't know. I just the success he had in micros really kind of led you to believe that maybe he would jump right in one and find instant success. Yeah, but then you have to go back and realize he's 16 years old, Zach. We, I mean, we forget, right? Yeah, yeah. You just don't realize that. I mean, you, you're watching a race car going on a racetrack, and you don't realize who's in there, right? You're just seeing this car and this driver in there, and you don't really realize that it's a youngster, right? Literally, right. yeah, uh, a teenager, and he's still a teenager, and he is awfully impressive when he goes to the All Star Circuit of Champions and to World of Outlaws, and he's making some of these shows. That's awfully impressive. He's got a long way to go in his career. He is not going to have a short career. At where he's at right now, that young man is doing just fine. All right, let's talk about it, Rich. A week, well, what are we? We're 10 days. Bob Finley Memorial, Corrigan Oil Speedway, Outlaw Super Late Models. This is a big 10 days for Outlaw Super Late Models, or really a big week uh, and a half going to Owasso Speedway on Saturday, Stanley Memorial 150 on Saturday at uh, at Flat Rock, as you mentioned, and then Wednesday, Bob Finley Memorial at Corgan Oil Speedway. Outlaw Super Late Models are cashing in this week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's that, I mean that that's got to be for winner's share, and and the same guy, the same guy is not going to win all three. We know that. We know that. So we, we already know that already. But uh, close to twenty thousand dollars there over ten days uh, for a winner's share. That's, I haven't seen that in Outlaw Super Late Model Racing in a while, Zach. Yeah, so that'll be pretty good. And, and you know, the lap money is always intriguing as well because you don't just, well, you, maybe you still do for the big prize, but you probably defend, I'm talking about the Bob Finley Memorial at Cork and Oil Speedway, you probably defend the lead position a little bit harder when you hear cha-ching every time you cross the start-finish line. Cha-ching, cha-ching, right? You, you don't really want to let that guy get around you for anything at that point. I know, but, you know, I've talked to some guys about that, and they said um, it doesn't matter because it, all those added up cha-chings don't add up to the one that cha-chings when the checkered flag's waving. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not quite the same amount of money. It's not bad if you know you're, you're probably not going to win, so you want to hang out there as long as you can if you don't think, you know, if, if you got a big invert or something. Sure. And, you, and something like that. You may want to try to lead all the laps you can, but uh, if, you, if your mind is on winning, uh, those – $5 or $25 laps that just quite don't mean as much as that check at the end. It's no surprise, but he tried to tell us that it wasn't going to happen. Chad Finley did find an outlaw super late model ride. I'm sure you saw no, that. That's so surprising I to know. me. Yeah, uh-huh. He, oh, no, I'm not going to race it. I, I, I'm i not going to race in that race. No, I won't be able to find a ride. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever, Chad. Yeah. We'll see you there. Yeah. Uh, so he'll be there, and, of course, um, a lot of others expected to be there as well. July 26th, Wednesday, um, take take Thursday off of work, call in sick on Wednesday um, because it's going to be a good show. You need to be there. And as we talked with Aaron, Modifieds will be there as well. And this is one of those races, Rich, where it doesn't really – it's not about the money. It's about it's about being there, and it's about kind of that prestige of winning this race. It really is. You know, everybody, everybody has a lot of respect uh, for the Finley family, for everything they've done in racing for the state – in the state of Michigan. Um, everything the Northside Towing Service has done uh, – for racing with with everything that they've supported and i think everybody is is going to pay them back in support of bob finley at the bob finley memorial um i think it's just going to be amazing i'm looking forward to it i think it's awfully cool that they added they got the modifieds there so two quality divisions and i 
I think we're going to see a bunch of race cars there next Wednesday, Zach. I think so, too. It's going to be a good one. Uh, again, that's coming up Wednesday, July 26th, the week from this Wednesday. Other stuff coming up, Rich France. What do we got on that upcoming calendar for this week? Well, coming up this Friday, I-96 Speedway back in action. Great Lakes traditional sprints will be in action. IMCA Mods, a fast staff qualifier, uh, will also be in action. Uh, street Stock two barrels versus, versus four barrels. They tried that. They said, we're going to try it again. So they're going to do that, plus mini wedges. Racing kicks off Friday at I-96 at 8 p.m. And then on Saturday, we talked about it. We had mentioned it, the Flat Rock Speedway. The Stanley Memorial 150 for the Outlaw Super Late Models. Street Stocks will also be on hand for a 50-lap feature event. Uh, Street Stock B-Main, 25 laps, and the figure eights will go 20 laps. Uh, gates open and practice uh, kicks off at 4.30, followed by qualifying. Racing will kick off at Flat Rock Speedway at 7 p.m. on Saturday, Zach. You're looking forward to that one. I know this is one of your favorite events. It is. I got a lot of work, prep work to do. I Driver intros for that one. I get ta That's one of my tasks for this week. So uh, that's probably one of the reasons why the power rankings for the Outlaws Super Late Models will have to wait a week. That's understandable for sure. Now, if you're looking for a road trip, if you want to, you know, you're like, hey, I want to check one off the bucket list. I've never been somewhere before. A really cool event. I don't think I'm making the trip, but... Uh, that could change at any moment. Um, CRA Street Stocks powered by Jags and the Vores Welding CRA Elite Model Sportsman in a double header this weekend, Saturday, at uh, Salem Speedway. So uh, if you've uh, wanted to go down and see the Salem Speedway and the improvements they've made, it's only a four-and-a-half-hour trip from the state line. So, uh, <laughs> you, mean, Nick, you mean that could change your mind like, hey, Zach, are you going to the Clash? Right, <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. No, actually, uh, I am interested in maybe uh, going to see my friends at Flat Rock Speedway to see what's going on. I've never seen the Stan Yee, so uh, I might come over there and see what's going on. Um, lately, it's just basically been the Brian Burgaker benefit, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's the way it's been. But I I don't know what he broke. Uh, he broke and could not go to Owasso. Right. So he, I, I don't know what was wrong with that race car. I'm assuming they are doing everything possible to put that thing back together and be a flat rock on Saturday. All right, cool. Well, that's going to do it uh, for tonight's episode of Horsepower Happenings. Next week, we'll talk to somebody from the Finley family ahead of the Bob Finley Memorial at Corrigan Oil Speedway. And, of course, uh, we will probably have the Stan Yee Memorial 150 winner on. That's usually a given. And who knows, maybe somebody else will crack in on that first-time winner's list and we'll get a chance to talk with them as well and the russell family's on our radar for the coming weeks too so uh, keep that in mind do us a favor if you listen to this show be sure to share with your friends and let them know where you get your information for midwest racing and what's going on in the state of michigan and uh, also be on the lookout we're developing a new way where you could maybe be involved as we put this show together via our facebook page so just keep an eye out on that as well as more things get in the works here with horsepower happenings for scott Miller pays the bills rich france my co-host I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you same time, same place next week, right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.